94.4, The Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. Goldschmidt with a drive. Left field at the wall. Gone! Goldschmidt, home run number 25. He's driven in two, and the Cardinals have a 3-0 lead. Cardinals win it by the final of 7 to nothing last night. The Danny Mac Show. I'm Dan McLaughlin with BK. And away we go for the next hour as uh, we take you up until BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Okay. Uh, first of all, Tyler Bozak signs a one-year deal. Okay, let's get that out of the way. All right. Breaking, breaking news. By the way, BK, I got to ask you this, okay? You ready? Please. You always say, Dan, I got to ask you a question. Yeah. BK, I got to ask you a question. A couple weeks ago, we were doing a show, and you said, I'm reserving judgment. Yeah. I'm going to give it two weeks. Yep. I think it was about two weeks ago. And it was exactly. It was after the Red Series. It was okay. that 13-game stretch with the Reds, the Brewers, and the Dodgers. I wanted to see what it looked like. Okay. Now we're two weeks past. Uh, where are you? I'm are ready you? to be heard again, Dan. Okay. I'm All right. ready. I'm, I'm Let letting the emotions down fly. my guard. That's good. The walls that have been placed around me are coming down. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready to put my emotions on my sleeves and see what the rest of this season looks like. Understood. Why not? At this point, why not? If you're a Cardinals fan... Nothing makes sense anymore. Exactly. If you're a Cardinals fan and you're not willing to go there, I get it, man. This team has hurt me emotionally so many times this year. I get it. I really do. But we've now seen the other teams that they're going up against. They're not very good either. The Cardinals are incredibly flawed. They are not a perfect baseball team. And I'm ready to embrace it. And and here's why. Because when you say that statement, you're 100% right. It's a team that's hovered around 500. And if you're going to get in, you're going to have to be probably mm, seven to eight above 500, maybe roughly in that area. So a team that's flawed. Well, Cincinnati, flawed. San Diego, flawed. Phillies, flawed. Mets, flawed. So, yeah, that's what the second wild card is. Don't have to love it. Don't have to like it. Maybe you hate it. But here it is, is that you've got a handful of games to go, and we're still talking on, what is it, September 14th, about a team that has a chance to get into postseason play. That's all you want. It makes it fun. You're not running away with the division like Milwaukee. You're not the Dodgers spending every dime that you got. Uh, You're not the Giants who's had this incredible resurgence of a year and now 94 wins, and they're in postseason play. Mm -hmm. You're a flawed team. And that's, granted, I'll give you that. You're right. Many flaws. But you put yourself in a position to make this a little fun. So let's have some fun with it. Playoff baseball is awesome. And it's more enjoyable when you're a part of it, even if you are the team that just barely got in at the very end. It counts all the same. Now, that doesn't change what they need to do in the offseason. Just because they get into the playoffs doesn't mean that suddenly all of their flaws are fixed and now you can go into next year and run it back and have a run it back tour. No, 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 no. Nobody's suggesting that. They've got a lot of stuff that they've got to get done this offseason. But for the here and now, while we're still talking about the 2021 Cardinals, they're right in this thing. You are now a half game back of the Reds, tied with the Padres in the wild card standings. So, yeah, Dan, as we're moving forward here, you asked me a very direct question. Am I ready to be back in on this team? I am, especially after what we saw last night. That was a hell of a win by the Cardinals. Great win. Uh, Danny Mack, great show from the 573. We both know BK's baseball season ends the Friday before the first Chiefs <laughs> game. 
there's a little truth to that. However, he's got a keen eye and a close look at what's happening with the Cardinals. So I'm going to give right. you that. Yeah, I, I I am still tuning in on the Cardinals. Now, that is not to suggest that I don't have <laughs> red zone on on my, uh, on my phone That's during okay. NFL Sundays. That's don't get okay. me wrong here. I, I've got both going on at once, but... I'm still paying attention to the Cardinals because unlike my Royals, they are still in competition for a playoff spot late into the season consistently. I'll give you this, man. Uh, the other day I looked at the year that Salvador Perez has had. Holy smokes. He's fun. Wow. He's fun. 40 plus home runs, 100 plus RBIs. Whitmerfield are basically the only reasons to watch the Royals right now. Meanwhile, the Cardinals are actually in playoff contention. <laughs> Last night, Adam Wainwright, six innings, four hits, walk three, four strikeouts, Dealt with traffic all night long. I didn't think he had his best stuff, but he had good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and he has the innate ability that makes him different than anybody that takes the mound, in my opinion, to make the quick adjustment. And he made it after the first inning. Yeah, the base is loaded. Then he gets a strikeout of McNeil, and the threat was through. Mike Schilt, what did you see from Adam? Uh, he battled his tail off as always. Um, you know, able to throw a sinker, was on the ground, I guess ground ball out, um, used the devastator, changeup was effective, of course the curveball is always good, uh, made his pitches, you know, they did make him work a little bit, you know, went over and talked to him after the after the sixth, and, you know, he, uh, I said, I think that's enough, and he said, yeah, got a little bit more, but, they, you know, there's been some good, you know, tough at bats against me tonight, and he did a great job for six. He did do a great job, and that was the key in the game, was Wainwright in that first inning. And the first inning, the way it unfolded, and you know, BK, I always bring in my lineup sheet from the night before. So what happened was is that the game started with Jonathan VR slapping a base hit to left. Then Lindor flies to left. Conforto the ground out. Now you got Pete Alonzo, who, by the way, went 0 for 13, left 9 on against the Yankees. He is struggling right now, and that is a, a, a problem for the Mets. But he walked... Javi Baez, who had been 6 for 37 against Adam Wainwright going into the game, he walked, and it brings in Jeff McNeil. And it was boom, 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 and the patented curveball of Adam Wainwright and the strikeout, and the threat was through. And really, that was the best um, chance for the Mets in that ball game. They did have traffic, but that first inning was the key for Waino. Well, I like nostalgia, and I felt like, you know, all the Mets fans wanted to see me in that bases loaded situation, I felt like they wanted to see me throw two curveballs and a changeup and, you know, get them out. I, I just felt like that was what the Mets fans wanted to see. And so, I, you know, I gave the people what they wanted. Give the people what they want. How about that little quote at the end? I, that's good. I love I'll it. Lie, I, I did love too. it. That's pretty good. Hey, Dan, how about this? Since July 21st. Oh, yeah. The numbers for Wayno. Go oh, ahead. Oh, my God. Yeah. He has thrown 78 innings in his last 11 starts. The Cardinals are 10 and 1 as a team. He is 9 and 1 as a pitcher in those 11 starts. He has a 1.7 ERA in those 11 starts and opposing hitters are batting 193 against him. Those rankings among all MLB starters since July 21st. First in innings, third in whip, fifth in ERA, fifth in batting average against. He's been legitimately one of the best starters in the sport since July 21st, and it goes even beyond that. It's his impact on the team's record. Yep. He is dragging this team to the finish line right now. They're 10-1 and one in his start since July 21st. The Cardinals are 17-20 and 20 when anybody else starts since July 21st. BK, it is not 
uh, now just far-fetched and just saying, hey, we're being homers and we love Wayno and he's a great guy and all that stuff. No, no, no. He, he's in the conversation for the Cy Young. Absolutely. So uh, the National League ranks now, and it would be interesting if you did like the blind resume that you see in the field of, of college basketball. But if you had the blind resume and you, you said, okay, it's Wayno, Scherzer, Bueller, uh, probably Zach Burns. Wheeler's Burns is in there for sure. Although maybe the Milwaukee guys kind of cancel each other out. But here's where he ranks right now in the National League. So he's tied for fifth in starts. He's got 29. He's second in innings at 190 and a third. Zach Wheeler is just ahead of him by five. So second in innings. Mm-hmm. He is eighth in ERA at 288. Scherzer is tops at 217. Um, now, a lot of people don't like to look at wins. I get it. You know, they, they say, well, now, you know, that could be team dictated because they scored 10 runs and you uh, gave up nine and you won the game. Fine. But let's just throw it into the conversation here. He's second in, uh, in wins now with 16. Urias has 17 for the Dodgers. He's tied for first in complete games. Complete games are something that you just don't see anymore. So he's got three of those. Uh, in terms of shutouts, he's tied for fourth. Whip, which is great. Whip, uh, walks, hits, innings, pitch mm-hmm. combined. He's tied for seventh. Opponent average against him is 214. So now that that's the resume. And to your point, and this is what the point I made on the crossover, I don't know if you heard me say this, yep. but if the Cardinals get into postseason play, he's the number one reason why. And they're going to keep him on schedule to throw every fifth day. So he's going to have a head-to-head matchup this Saturday against San Diego with the 2011 reunion team there, which is going to be cool. I can't wait to watch that game and call that game and get your tickets now at cardinals.com slash promotions. I think it's the David Freeze bobblehead giveaway. He's a company man, and I respect him I I digress. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, you know, so now you're talking four, five starts maybe, depending on how it would shake out. His success personally coincides with what the team is going to do so if you're a voter and you're saying man this guy single-handedly got them in and because of the numbers you said since july 21st he should have a shot at the cy young i don't know if the voters will look at it that way because i think it's really easy to look at strikeout number 3000 for scherzer the dodgers have not lost a game when he's been on the mound he's been amazing in dodger blue he's been just dominant so i get it and same thing with Walker Bueller for a team that's going to win 100 games. However, look at the full body of work. Adam Wainwright will get votes, and he should, and have a chance to win the Cy Young before this thing is said and done. Yeah, I I don't think he should win it. I, I think that should go Not to yet. Scherzer at this point. Not yet, but it's let's gonna see. It's going to be tough, but... Well, let Scherzer, me ask you this, though. Burns, so, Bueller, I think, would be my top three right now. I, I think you can make every case that Wayno should be right there, though, in the top five at a minimum. So if you're the Dodgers and if you're Milwaukee, um, you've got, you know, two weeks left of games and you may not build up the personal innings or strikeouts or whatever the case is for those pitchers because you're saving them for postseason play. I mean, Let's put this in perspective, BK, and this is kind of the team look at, at the Cardinals going against Milwaukee. Seven games left with the Brewers. If you pulled a guy out that had a no-hitter going because you have are looking at the big picture of postseason play when he's on the cusp of personal history and something that is so rare to do for a guy, what are they going to do down the stretch in the head-to-head matchups with the Cardinals? Do they look at it and say, hey, we got to bury the St. Louis Cardinals or... 
know what? We're worried about us. That means Corbin Burns stays on schedule, but he's going to give us four tonight. Johnny Peralta gives us three. Um, they've been doing a six-man rotation anyway. Mm-hmm. So not only are you talking about the individual stuff for those guys, so some of their innings may come down and chances to pad their resume, but from a Cardinals perspective, too, of facing these teams that maybe decide to pull back some of the big guns, and that could play in the Cardinals' benefit. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think there's a case to be made for Wayno and listen, this is not me trying to besmirch his record. He's been incredible, and I just gave you the numbers, as you mentioned, Dan. He's, he's right up there with anybody, especially if you're looking at the second half of the season. I just think for a lot of voters, if you look at the ERA being 2.1 for Max Scherzer, and he has been as dominant as anybody in the second half of the season, especially since going over to uh, the Dodgers, I think that's going to speak to the, these voters. It's, a, it's an easy thing to look at. Meanwhile, with Wayno, you do have to get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of things to really make the case for him. It's more of a narrative-based award for him. So I I think he will be among the top five or so guys, especially if he's able to finish the way that he's gone the last month plus. But I don't think he's going to get into the conversation for the top. Whether that be right or wrong is up to you, but it's going to be tough. Top uh, of the eighth inning last night, it was Alex Reyes. I want to talk about that, what that means for the team and him going forward coming up. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. It's a dance party on 101 ESPN. Hey, everybody. I like the music. It's what it's going to sound like at BK's wedding coming up. That's right. December 11th, Dan. Looking forward to it. <laughs> um, We've got Tony Patrico DJing our wedding. I'm very really? excited about it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, man. Uh, let's see here. This uh, I did bring up this text during the, uh, the break. And I said to BK, I said, you know, I am a... A little bit older and I, I don't quite understand everything i try to be technologically mm-hmm. uh, savvy and stay hip and current like this music dun, dun, mm, mm, mm. and uh, it says 314 hey lover what's your address book where is your address book? where's your address book and i thought i said to bk am i missing something here uh is that something like you know maybe Young people, yeah. you know, whatever. They had a message. We've got Andrew Marsh producing for us. He's in for Tanner. So I figured maybe this is because right. Tanner would never have something like that come in for him. Let's be honest. No. The, the Tinder date's not going quite that well for him. But Marshy is a faithful man. So I figured maybe maybe this is his significant other texting well, in asking us, you know, where where's the address <laughs> book for Marshy? Well, so I'm thinking, what did I miss? You know, I mean... <laughs> I, of course, I taped the VMAs and everything else. I'm up to date with everything going on. And then uh, a few minutes later, 314, sorry, do love you, Danny Mac, but that text was not meant for you. Suddenly everything makes sense in the world again. Okay. All right. So I didn't miss anything. Whew. Send a little shiver down my spine there, BK. Um, I wanted to get into the eighth inning because I, I thought it was fascinating last night. And it was fascinating because of this guy. Alex Reyes in to face Lindor, Conforto, and Alonzo. There's ball four, and so Lindor is off for the third time tonight. A leadoff walk to start the bottom of the eighth. 
pulled down the hole and a base hit just past Goldschmidt. Lindor will go first to third, and the Mets will get Alonzo to the plate as the tying run. He got him. Nasty pitch and a strikeout of Alonzo. Boy, that's a good pitch there. I'll tell you in what. The first out here in the eighth, and now it's Baez. Check swing, and he went. Strikeout of Baez. Back-to-back -back K's, and Reyes one out away. The one-two pitch by Alex Reyes. Got him! Strikes out the side in the eighth. That was a massive moment in the game, maybe in the season, and personally going forward, I think, for Alex Reyes. By the way, the Cardinals with Cody Whitley struck out the final six in that game as Whitley struck out the side in the ninth. Um, really a, a dangerous time for a lot of things at, at that point. And when you saw the initial start of the inning, the walk, you're thinking, uh-oh, here we go. And then the base hit by Conforto. So now Pete Alonso comes up. He almost got hit in the face. And then Reyes dots basically a nasty slider on the outside portion of the plate to strike him out, then gets Baez and McNeil. And I, I think it's big, BK, because um, not only are you trying to win the game. So number one, big spot in the game you get through the eighth but number two you've been trying to build up Alex Reyes back mm -hmm. you're trying to get him back personally you know he's been removed from the closer spot and a guy with a lot of pride very proud to be an all-star means a lot to be on the mound for that final out and just was not getting the done and so if he doesn't get through that inning you're thinking oh man when can you use him again it'll have to be a non-leverage situation to build him back up but when you don't have certain guys, and my guess was last night, a couple of guys maybe were down, Alex Reyes has to be that guy. And so going forward, I, I just think that that could have been, and we'll see how it plays out in the final couple weeks, but a massive boost to the Cardinals and to Alex Reyes. It was big. They need him in a really yes. big way. And right now you look at what he's done in his last three appearances and he looks better. He had that multi-inning appearance where he went two innings, got the win for the Cardinals against the Dodgers. He went one inning, got the win for the Cardinals against the Reds. And then last night he's able to get that hold for them in that big spot. This is what they needed. And Dan, that looked a lot like first half of the season, Alex Reyes. Sure. Because even when he was good, we still saw him walking a ton of batters. There were a couple of guys that would get on with a single like you saw last night that just barely went under Paul Goldschmidt's glove and then he's able to strike out the next three batters that's what we saw him he was an escape artist for much of the first half of the season that looks like him again I don't know if you felt this way um, and we commented a little bit about it during the game I, I thought his mechanics and by no means am I a pitching coach but I do watch every single pitch and game of every year so when I watched Reyes last night I felt like for whatever reason, and I did call some people in New York today and ask them, um, guys that are behind the scenes, I just said, did it look like mechanically he got more locked in and a smoother delivery? Because it just seemed like then all of a sudden everything was in sync. And I didn't think that initially. Sometimes I think he overthrows and flies open and you see the ball almost hit Alonzo. But after that, it was like everything got in sync. And when he's in sync, and I think part of it is probably – He's changed his motion and still trying to get comfortable at times with that and get the feel for it. And not every time are you going to go out there and have a good feel for it. Um, but it was like the light went on and the switch was turned and he was a different pitcher. And when he is smoother like that and more locked in mechanically, 
there's not many people that are going to hit him. And I think that's what we saw last night. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that all happened after you saw Mike Maddox with the mound visit. I, I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand. Sure. So, Maybe he saw something, too. Absolutely. It's possible. He, that That is the guy that you need for the Cardinals moving forward. And it wasn't just that, Dan. It was also the way that they responded after that inning for the Cardinals to be able to get Reyes out of that inning in the bottom of the eighth and then in the top of the ninth to start adding on because we've talked so much about their small margin for error for the Cardinals to come out in the top top of the ninth and to be able to add on four more runs to give them a little bit of extension. So you don't have to go to Gallegos in the ninth. You're able to save him for today. And then you were able to go to Whitley there. That's huge, man. That's that cascade effect that we've talked so much about. You get a quality start out of Wayno. You're able to go to the back end of your bullpen for a couple of innings, but then your offense is able to tack on. So you don't have to go to one of your big three in that moment in the ninth suddenly you feel a lot more comfortable with whatever is going to happen at the back end of the bullpen today. So it's not just that they got the win yesterday. It's not just the way that Reyes pitched. It's also the offense tacking on in the ninth. That that full inning, bottom of the eighth, top of the ninth, that's what the Cardinals have been missing for much of the last three months now. And remember, that inning started with a strikeout of Tommy Edmond, who, by the way, struck out four times last night. Uh, I'll be watching closely how the Mets pitch him. Fastball's up. And for whatever reason, he's kind of dipping a little bit and not catching up and swinging under those. But regardless, he's been very good. He had another double last night, his 38th, and scored a run. Uh, But then after that strikeout, seven straight reached. Goldie walked. O'Neal a base hit. Arenado had the bloop base hit into right. Then you had Molina, another base hit. Yachty had a three-hit night. The intentional walk to Carlson. Sosa base hit into right. And uh, Bader also had an RBI single. So to your point, um, they were able to tack on. I think something that that stood out about that game, too, for me, BK, was the ninth inning. And I don't think it should be overlooked. It's a, Granted, it's, it's a 7-0 game, and the air had been let out of the building, so to speak, for the Mets. I get that. But Cody Whitley is starting to emerge to the guy that we saw at the beginning of last year, which you thought could be a weapon coming out of the pen. He emerged in spring training of 2020, then everything was shut down, and then finally made his debut last year. That guy was throwing 95-96 last night. I haven't seen that. And when he has that change up with 95-96, it gives you length in your bullpen. So the point I'm going to make is that the innings that you were initially kind of slotting TJ McFarland to get maybe in the fifth or the sixth, like tonight maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a, a, a situation where Jake Woodford goes two times through the lineup if things go to plan, and then he's out of there, depending on what goes on, like he did in his last start. It was four innings, and then you turned it over to your bullpen where I could see Cody Whitley getting the higher leverage situations earlier in a game, meaning like it's a one-run game and you're trying to, you know, stay close. He's the guy you go to so that you can save then McFarland for when you have runners on and he gets that ground ball and he gets the double play and you can give him a even higher leverage situation. So when you have a guy like Whitley come in and do what he's doing, he's been very good here recently. It just lengthens what you can do in the back end of your games and the choices that you may have. I actually kind of trust all six guys that are coming out of that bullpen for individual innings right now. Cabrera, Reyes, Gallegos, we've talked a million times about them. But then McFarland and Garcia have been great for the last six weeks now. And if you add Cody Whitley to that mix suddenly, now you've got a little bit of depth to that bullpen that we haven't seen really at any point all season long. 
I don't know what's going on with KK. I don't know if he's uncomfortable coming out of the pen. Whatever's up there. Uh, we haven't seen him now in about a week. I don't know what's up with Ponce de Leon. We haven't seen him in a while. He hadn't been particularly effective. But whenever Dakota Hudson and if they're able to get Jack Flaherty back at some point this year, Dan, you could be going into the postseason with the bullpen for the first time really all year long kind of firing on all cylinders, yeah. and that's a huge thing for them. Really shortened games. You know, your starter just doesn't have it, and when you have, you know, one-and-done games, um, you, you yank them. I mean, you you look at, a you know, the first inning, second inning, you say, hey, but the guy doesn't have it. we got to go with somebody else. Um, can't wait to see Hudson. I, I think that could be a, a help for this team. Now, when he comes back, am I putting him in the eighth inning of a one-run game? No. Am I putting him in the fifth inning of a tight game? It's the McFarland rolls when when McFarland's not available, right? You've got a sinker baller guy who can get that ground ball to get the double play when necessary. I think in his last start, he had two of those. Um, and he went like five innings, 57 pitches. He's just super efficient. It's it's interesting, though, BK, when you got a guy coming off of Tommy John. So you're Mike Schilt, right? And you say, okay, it's his first game in a long time. I, I don't necessarily want him to be in a higher leverage situation. I want the pressure to be off to where he's just totally focused on getting through the inning and not worried about if I blow this or, you know what I'm saying, the, just the pressure 100%. of it. Um, but then my question would be is it, once he's in a relief role, which is what will be the role of Dakota Hudson, how much can I use him? So he's been stretched out as a starter, but – Coming off of Tommy John, it's not like I'm going back-to-back games with him. Can I use him on what would be his bullpen day? Yes. And then two days after that, probably that would be his starting day. So those are things to think about. And the one that is really intriguing to me is Jack Flaherty. Um, You're going to be so, so very cautious with him because so much is tied up with him moving forward and uh, in 22 and 23 and beyond. I just don't know how you use him. If he's healthy enough to pitch, and I think he's going to throw a bullpen in St. Louis either tomorrow or Thursday. I think it's Thursday. Thursday. Um, oh, boy. I I, I don't know, man. I, I got to be really careful with what I do with Jack Flaherty. I, I, I just I, Would I love to see him back out there? Of course I would. Is it maybe beneficial if he is going to pitch to have him start a game and then Woodford piggyback so that Woodford can then get loose properly? Because I think that's one of the issues with Woodford is that when he was in the bullpen, I'm not sure he was warming up properly. You know, it's a different thing when you're a starter and a reliever. And I've watched him warm up. I've talked to Ricky Horton about this, and we've said, man, he just kind of looks different. But when you start, it's a a pattern and a routine. routine, Yeah. You know, so I. That's my concern with Flaherty, too. He's he's not a reliever. His entire career has been spent as a starter. And that's why I would start him. I'm with you. I, I don't. I don't want to take any risks with him at all. And if you feel like there is even a 5% chance of him not being right, whether it's physically, mentally, whatever, with him coming out of your bullpen, I think this is one of those situations where you try to slow play it with him. Yeah. And I know that sounds bad because you want to win. And I just mentioned in our first segment, hey, I'm, I'm in on this team now. I, I'm ready for them to to hurt me emotionally. But with Jack Flaherty, I, I can't risk it, man. I, I I'm can, with you. I so want to see do, Hudson come back, but I don't I don't want to risk it with Jack Flaherty. So if you do, maybe you start him and say, hey, you got 30 pitches or whatever it is, 40 pitches, couple of innings, and know for sure 
that Jake Woodford, you start getting your routine going in that first inning. You're stretching, your sprints, whatever, and know that he's going to piggyback. I mean, those are things and that you've you got think a lot about. of options, right? Because it's it's Woodford, it's Hudson, it's Flaherty, it's KK, it's Ponce. You've got yeah. innings. You you can cover those innings if you need them to be covered. It's just a matter of where you deploy those guys and how you're going to be able to utilize them over the course of uh, a five game stretch, and that that's going to be the task for Mike Schilt. That's not an easy one to do. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. BK and uh, Ferrario are coming up, and they'll have more on the uh, Tyler Bozak one year deal. Is that correct, BK? One year? One year, $750,000 is what he's looking at, which is a hell of a deal for the Blues. You got a legit veteran presence to potentially play on your third line, and he's going to come in for less than a million dollars. So a great signing by the Blues and by Doug Armstrong once again. Also, a little hockey news here. Wayne and uh, Janet Gretzky to receive the 2021 Stan the Man Lifetime Achievement Award for sportsmanship, and that's put on by the, uh, the Sports Commission, and that has gained so much uh, attention and traction not only here in St. Louis but nationally so congratulations to Wayne and Janet Gretzky so we move on with baseball the Cardinals they go into tonight's game tied with San Diego and a half game back of Cincinnati in the wild card by the way if you looked at the loss column all at 69 mm-hmm. so it's nice essentially you're tied um now, there's a few things I want to get into as we go around the major leagues. And let's start with the American League and a team that no one is talking about. And probably we need to start. Other than t- Danny Mack. Dan's been talking about them for weeks. I, I have because I've just been so shocked at what Seattle's been able to do. High fly ball out to left field. Verdugo at the wall. Gone! Go ahead. Three. BK, the Mariners are two out in the wild card. They haven't been to postseason play, and I mentioned this uh, during the broadcast last night, but Mariners, it's been 19 seasons since they were in the playoffs. And so the American League wild card now has five teams within two and a half of each other. That's going to be fun. So you have, with the wild card, you've got uh, Toronto, more on them in a moment, then the Yankees. Toronto up by a game over New York. So those two would be in Uh, Boston uh, is tied with the Yankees. Yep. And then uh, Seattle is two out and Oakland two and a half back. So it's going to get fun as well in the American League. races are five teams basically in the American League for two spots. Five teams in the National League right now for one spot. The last two, three weeks of this season are going to be in terms of viewership, great. As good as you can get. This is why you have the two wildcard teams, by the way. If yep. you're wondering, hey, Major League Baseball, why'd you do this? Well, because if they only have the one, the only team that's in contention for it right now is the Dodgers. The Reds, Padres, Cardinals, Phillies, Mets, those fan bases, they're out of it. We're yep. now talking about the 2022 offseason, and instead, all of those fan bases are locked in because there's a chance to be able to get that second wildcard. Yankees dropped two of three at City Field over the weekend, but made up some ground yesterday. Sanchez rips that to left field, a base hit. Torres rounding third. That will do it. A much-needed walk-off win in the Bronx. 
80 and 64 are the Yanks, 81 65 Boston. So they're tied at one game back of the Toronto Blue Jays. And you heard me talk about it. I said, watch out for those Blue Jays, man. I don't get it while they're not uh, hitting and not playing as well. But then they got back home, and I thought maybe that settles them down just a little bit. And it has. And how about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Hooks it down the left field line. Gone! There it is right there. Step aside, Vlad Sr., junior with number 45. Great Dan Schulman on the call. So the Blue Jays are now 81-63, and and they are a game in front of the Yankees and the Red Sox. Now there's a few things I want to talk about here with the Blue Jays. Number one, when I talk about the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, this is a team that is averaging now <laughs> nine runs a game in September. Okay, we're halfway through the month. They're averaging nine a game Okay, now how about Vladimir Guerrero? He's got mm -hmm. nine home runs in his last 12 games. He's passed Shohei Otani to lead the major leagues with 45. Okay, I was debating with myself. I woke up this morning and I said, can I give Vlad the MVP? So Otani's team is not going anywhere. However, he's a freak of nature and mean that with all due respect by what he's doing on the mound and at the plate. However, this guy, Vlad Guerrero Jr., may win the Triple Crown for a team that goes into postseason play. So how do you not give him the MVP? Because one of them's pitching at a borderline Cy Young. I, I, I get it. As well. <laughs> I think that's the only way that someone has to be Babe Ruth reincarnated yeah. to beat you out when you win the Triple Crown. I mean, Guerrero's incredible. And this is not to take away anything that he has done this season. He is, in any other year, completely deserving of winning the MVP. And you're right. He is very close to the Triple Crown right now. He is four RBI behind Jose Abreu at the moment. He easily could get there. Like it's it's not crazy to think. He wins a triple crown. And by the way, he is leading the league in runs scored as well. Right. So he's doing everything. Everything you could ask a position player to do, he's doing it right so now. So I'm off base. So I, here's you the have thing. to give it to Otani, as you're telling me. Yeah, because <laughs> Shohei Otani's doing all of that. And oh, by the way, he's also a legit number one starter. He's an ace for his team as well. So I, yeah, I, I know, but... I don't know, man. Triple if, if crown I told you, you the, go to postseason play? If I told you the Cardinals could have in one player Nolan Arenado and Adam Wainwright, th that's just one player. Yeah, that guy's got to win. That guy's got to win the MVP. But here's the thing that we always talk about this every year when the MVP comes up. Are you the best individual player or are you the guy that played so well and carried your team into postseason play? Now, he's not the only guy. Marcus Simeon has been great. Robbie Ray might win the Cy Young. I mean, although I think it's Otani, but he's been awesome. But you don't get there without him. So you know how some voters look at it. They say, well, sure. your team success is part of what you're doing as a most valuable player. So is it individual or is it the combined success of your individual accomplishments with your team? Yeah, I think it's all of the above. But if you're looking at what Otani's done this year, I mean, when he's been on the mound, the um, Angels are 13 and eight as a pitcher. He's nine and two this year. He's giving them every chance to win. The problem is their team's not very good. That's not on Otani. That's not his fault. He's giving them every reason to win games. But I, for me, he's the clear cut MVP because of what he's doing on both sides of the ball.
again, I'll go back to let's let the final two weeks play out, and then we'll see where we stand. That's fair, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because, I mean, what if the guy hits, uh, uh, let's say, six home runs down the stretch, and he gets to 51, maybe 52 home runs, and they go into postseason play? And he wins a triple crown and has over 100 runs scored. Great year. It's very unfortunate that you play with one of in the same season as somebody that is quite literally unprecedented as a player. I get it. I, I'm <laughs> with you. I know. I, it's just unfortunate timing for Vlad Guerrero to have his breakout campaign like this because he did so in the same season that Otani finally realized his potential. You have three more hours to go. I'm assuming a lot of Blues talk. Hey, the Blues are firing up. They've got their camp coming up in Michigan mm-hmm. for the young players. So that's uh, getting ready to fire up. Is that today or tomorrow, I think? Something so like the, that. Y- the rookies are going out there today. The prospects yeah. are out there today. Uh, I saw Chris Thorburn's actually working with the prospects today. Cool. So we're going to try to effort him for our show at some point over the next week or so. Uh, we'll talk about the Robert Thomas situation. He is still not signed by the Blues. What's going on there? What's the future hold for Robert Thomas as a result of this? It reminds me a little bit of a situation the Blues dealt with going into last training camp. We'll talk about that coming up at 1130. Jeremy Rutherford will break down the Tyler Bozak signing, exactly why he signed for $750,000. That is a super low-level contract for a guy that's been a productive player for the Blues. So we'll talk about that with JR coming up in the 12 o'clock hour, I believe. But we got to keep things going with the Cardinals, man. Adam Wainwright, unbelievable last night for the Cards, and they finally increased their margin for error. That's where we begin coming up at 11 o'clock. Okay, game two of that series. You can watch it on Bally Sports Midwest. That's at 530. Jake Woodford, Marcus Stroman, looking forward to that. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN.